Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And we make the case that mathematizing is not about mimicking steps or rote memorizing facts, but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental relationships. We take the strong stance that not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching, but that mimicking algorithms actually keep students from being the mathematicians they can be. We answer the question, if not algorithms and step-by-step procedures, then what? All right, so let's talk about this episode. Kim, a while ago, now we've been working together for, for a little while, a long while. <laughs> Just a little and, bit. <laughs> a little bit. And a while ago, you said, you know, it's like, it's like if you know your content and you know your kids, then kind of everything falls under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of how we could sort of think about things. Mm-hmm. When you said that, and the more that you kind of talked about it, and we kind of talked about it, and that resonated with me. It really resonated that we can kind of lump a lot of things together. We can mm-hmm. sort of explain a lot of things, kind of help illuminate things in those two buckets. Like if you know your yeah. content and you know your kids, then really we can do some amazing things as we are building these young mathematicians. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that everything fits under those two categories, but I think a lot does. And those are kind of our charges as teachers, as educators, that those are the specific areas that when we know those two parts well and how they interact with each other, gosh, then, then our answers are solved for so many things. Right. Mm, Nice. So, so can, maybe we can explain a little bit. We've said this phrase before, um, you know, when we're talking with people and, you know, sometimes people nod and, and I don't know that we've ever spent the time to really dive into what do we mean when we say, know your content, know your kids. So yeah, maybe, maybe we do that today. So there's two parts. There's right. know your content mm-hmm. and know your students, right. whoever your students might be for, for me as a math teacher educator, it might be the participants in a workshop mm-hmm. uh, at the university. It might be my students in university class, Sure, whoever we're sort of teaching know those people. Let's right. start, let's start with know your content. Can okay. tell us more about that? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that go into knowing your content. And I think all educators know that, right? It's not, it's not a super simple thing, but what I mean by that is you deeply understand the content that you're charged with helping your students understand both 
each individual tiny little standard and, but how they relate to the broader, big ideas that there's like all these standards, all these expectations are under this umbrella and have these sometimes often shoved to the side process standards mm-hmm. or practice, that, mathematical or practice, practice standards, right, that, that, that Texas process fit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that all fit together. Um, so knowing, knowing individual standards and knowing how they relate with each other is, is one area. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're there, like you just said, specifically the ones that you're charged with mm-hmm. helping your students understand. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, go ahead. <laughs> but not just, not just the right. ones for your particular students. Yeah. At a minimum, you've got to familiarize yourself with the content that comes before you in the grade level before you. And also after you to understand how they connect to your grade level. A lot of times we say, well, well, you know, this is what they can and can't do. But knowing what they are expected based on a list of standards is not only helpful to know where kids could be, but it's also the relationship between what's expected at that grade level. Yeah. So you sort of know how it's been built or should Mm -hmm. have been built or could have Mm -hmm. been built. And then where it leads to surely will affect how you teach the standard. It will surely influence the manner in which you attempt to make sure that your students are growing in that particular standard. Right. I would say, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) I would suggest it's, it's more than that. It's not just about knowing what standards come before and after but it also has a huge thing to do with what, uh, oh shoot, am I getting to know your kids? <laughs> like once you know where your students are, right. then, then you can help them based on knowing that full band of content, knowing yeah. really the landscape of the big landmarks that are involved in, in, in that particular sort of strand, maybe that you're working on, right. how it's connected to other strands, how you can bring those together. And if you have a student that kind of already own some of the content. They've had enough experience that they're able to really conceptualize and do well with the, the content that's required at your grade level. You now know how to like nudge that student, how to lob some things that they can begin to tinker with that are, you know, maybe, maybe more horizontal standard, like getting really deeper into what the, your grade level content or moving them vertically, like nudging mm-hmm. them uh, a little bit higher. And sorry if that was into your. No, uh, no, no, that's fine. Part. What no, I think. I think it's important to to know whether or not you're the first grade level to introduce something, Ooh. whether you're continuing on a particular idea, um, because I think you're going to address those different ways, right? Are you the are you the last grade level that it's specifically mentioned, and that at that point kids are supposed to I'm air quoting own all the things, and and then later is is are there grade levels that are skipped over in the standards that don't necessarily mention them again, but but we're assuming that students will continue that knowledge and then it's brought back up again two years later. And, and that would be important to know because if, if your grade level sort of skips a particular strand, say like, uh, I don't know, geometry, and all of a sudden, maybe that's not the best one, but like data tips, we see this a lot, mm-hmm. where it's sort of mentioned in one grade level and then it it's kind of skips a grade or two and then it comes back in another grade level. You could, you could knowing that that's true, you could keep that going as with just little ways that you um, what tweak some of the rich tasks that you do and problem strings that you do and discussions that you have, you can just sort of right. lob some of that data in there to keep it fresh and keep kids thinking about it and keep kids keep kids working on it. Yeah. So one other thing that I think about, and, and there there are probably more if, if we had more than you know fifteen minutes. But hey, before you go on, can, yeah. sorry, I don't I don't know that I want to leave 
I think what you said was really important. And um, I don't know, I'm feeling like, I don't want to just repeat it, but I wonder if you can say any more about why do we need to know if we're the first grade level that, that teaches something specific? Or well, the I think last it actually connects to what the next thing I was going to say. And, oh, okay. and we, can, we can hang here for a while. But I think it's really important to make sense of appropriate models and strategies within a particular idea. So I might spend more time building some ideas with some maybe more introductory models or introductory strategies if I'm the first person to introduce something. Mm-hmm. If I'm the first person to talk about multiplication, for instance, I might um, need to spend a little bit more time there thinking about what is multiplication? What does that even mean? And making sense of the whole idea of multiplication, connecting it to addition. Yeah. yeah. Bridging from additive reasoning. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Versus if I'm a fifth grade teacher and I feel pretty certain the kids have had some experience with multiplication over the last couple of years, I see evidence of that in their thinking, then I'm going to spend less time introducing that and building, bridging towards strategies that are appropriate to move that math forward. Yeah. So less time on the intro and more time Mm -hmm. on the bridging and the moving Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And then, and then what if you're the last teacher that's really going to work on that? Yeah. I think at that point, then we need to make some generalizations, right? We're, we're, we're going a little bit abstract, if you will. We're talking a little bit more about generalizations that I want kids to walk away with, with some big ideas of multiplication, connecting multiplication to division, making sure that kids are really solid on that connection. And it's not like we haven't been generalizing the whole time. Like sure. we're, we're, we're generalizing little bits as we go. We're, we're helping kids abstract out as we go, but there's this sort of emphasis difference. Like it, right. if right. you're starting a topic, I was going to try to think of another one. If I'm solving equations in middle grades, I'm going to do a lot more introductory um, things with, with scenarios that make sense. Um, if, if, if I'm later and we're solving equations, we're going to be quite a bit more abstract. Now, I need to know the content well enough that if I have students who haven't had the experience mm-hmm. that I wish they had in the middle grades with solving equations, then I might need to provide some of that experience for students uh, to sort of get, because that's what we believe, right? We believe that students just need experience to construct relationships. So I need to, that's, that's why we need to know the content. We need to know sort of the gamut and know where we fit in that. So that we can be, like, be really concentrating on the beginning, introdu- introductory kinds of things, focusing on, ooh, we're just going to keep going with that. It gets you more sophisticated. Uh, maybe maybe kind of here's Know Your Kids. Figure out what strategies your kids already own and so which ones you still need to work on with those, with that particular mm-hmm. class if you're sort of that middle teacher. And then if you're kind of the, the be it end all teacher, this is kind of where the rubber hits the road. Ah, I shouldn't say where the rubber hits the road, it hits the road everywhere. It's, you're, you're, the, you're the teacher where it's the last uh, time that particular content shows up in the standards. Right. Then you're the teacher who's going to really maybe emphasize that standard a little bit more, maybe spend a little bit more time there. Definitely talking um, in, in more general terms, you're going to be more abstract, not maybe from the beginning, but you're going to get there quicker. You realize the onus is on you to do the best you can to get everybody to sort of master that, that content this year, because it's the last time that it sort of shows up in the standards. Yeah. And again, knowing your kids, knowing your kids so that you're not going to push kids who aren't ready for that. You know, you're going to get them as far as you can in, in, uh, from where they work. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and I just, I was listening to you talk and it made me think, you know, it could sound very much like we're saying, if you know your content, then, you know, that's fantastic. But the the reason to know your content is because you're going to have live human interaction with students where you're wanting to question, right? You're wanting to nudge. And 
And you cannot question and nudge well if you don't know to what end. Mm-hmm. And that's the point of knowing your content because- or, or, or even the beginning, right? Like you have to sort of know the whole landscape. Yeah. In order to be able to, to, to as you quite, you're, you're asking good questions because you know the content and then you're being able to hear the answer and go, oh, okay, you own that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. You own that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And oh, oh, here's an edge. Ah, I can see an edge. I can see an edge where we can, I, now I can lob some stuff out. We could do some work here. I can ask this question that will nudge you forward. In other words, another way of explaining that could be, we know the zone of proximal development for our students. Like we know, Ooh, if I ask this question, that's gonna be right in the center. Yeah. Like that's boring. You're not gonna, that's not gonna intrigue you. But if I can, if I get on the edge of your zone of proximal development, Ooh, now, now it's going to spark. Like it has the potential to cause some disequilibrium and help you re-schematize and, and structure and, and, and look for patterns. If it's outside the zone of proximal development, psh, then we get like frustration and confusion mm-hmm. and kids that give up and kids that are, um, so either we can see that frustration and confusion two places, right? We can see it outside the zone and, but, but we can also see it in the middle of the zone. Like, really, is this supposed to be hard? Like, why is she spending time on this? I don't even, this is so obvious. Like it's, it's, we're aiming for that, that, that sweet spot. It's right. If you can see my hands right now, I'm like forming an, a, a sphere. I'm like right on the edge of the zone of, of proximal development right. where we could just really ping where kids are. Yeah. D- did I just go into know your kids? Yeah. You're yeah going into know your kids. That's yeah. Like, I, I think we're all over the place. That's typical. <laughs> so, so I think maybe, maybe in summary, what do they already know and can currently make sense of that you can leverage to make Mm. other mathematical connections, right? You're talking about being on their zone. And so I think it's all about leveraging what they do know to make connections to what comes next, what's on their horizon that that needs further cementing. That's really nice. I like that. I bet we can quote that. That was really good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like leveraging what they know. Ooh, that was really sweet. Yeah, to to make connections to what you're trying to teach. It's not about... Okay, blank slate. Here we go. I'm going to unzip your head and pour in this information and zip it back up. Hang on to it. No, no, don't unzip. No, don't let that leak out. It's that, that's not the, the, that's not the way we believe uh, that that human beings learn. We believe human beings uh, attach meaning to current schema or they have to re-schematize and make sense of what, of the disequilibrium that's happening. And they have to sort of like, how do I, how do I um, balance that? That's not that, that, how, how do I, Help me, Kim. How do I, how do I put, how do I merge those together? How do I make them, how do I make what's happening in my head and what I'm experiencing and seeing, how do I make those fit together? Do I need to re-schematize? Does it fit not nicely in the, in the, the file cabinets that I have in my head? Or do I have to create some new file cabinets because, whoa, what's happening here is not, I'm I'm in a little uh, uh, disequilibrium, a little off balance by what's happening. And bam, as I make those fit, that's learning occurring. As I grapple with and then um, and, and make that stuff sort of, oh, okay, this is the way I can sort of structure it and schematize what's happening, that's learning occurring. Now I've created the neur- new neural connections. What are some other things that you look for or that you think about when, when somebody says, know your kids? Um, so, you know, this might not be necessarily mathematical, but, but I think a lot of times about how best do students work, right? They, mm-hmm. they, and, and it's not necessarily just about preferences, but how am I going to get the best version of them? Could be sometimes solo, could be sometimes with somebody, could be sometimes 
that they need support in something that maybe is this particular day, this particular time, this particular thing is they need a little bit more. Um, and I, and I think that's true for all students that Mm -hmm. they all need support in something. So digging in that, and I think a lot of teachers do this well, looking at the human in front of them, the, the person and saying, what do I know about you as a person and how can I help you? Yeah. And I'm thinking of some specific examples. Um, I can think of a, a very bright young man that we both know who's um, on the spectrum and, and uh, communication is mm-hmm. tricky for this particular student. And so while the math is not particularly an issue at all, like we see brilliant things happening all the time. We don't always necessarily um, hear it. You know, it, it takes some pulling out. Right. That student takes some, yep. some modeling and some, let me use modeling in a different way, some model demonstrating about how to communicate about the kinds of ideas that that particular student might be having. Um, well, and, and since, oh, and since part of mathematics is communicating your thinking and, and interacting with other mathematicians, that is a thing to work on. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. I'm reminded when we were filming for uh, the algebra workshop, the linear function workshop that we're creating, um, there was a, a particular student um, that I watched our model teacher, our exemplar teacher, uh, Abby Sanchez is amazing. And as I watched her work with this particular student, I was like, Oh, nice. Because uh, the particular student kind of had a bit of a chip on their shoulder. This is a bit more of a, a sort of personality kind of maybe life circumstance thing. You could kind of, there were some hard edges. It, it, maybe it'd been a hard day. I don't know. You know, like everybody gets a hard day, right? Everybody gets yeah. to have mm-hmm. sort of, a, and, and this student was definitely having that. And as I watched Abby, treat this student with compassion, but with firm boundaries. And, you know, like, this is what's going to happen today. And, and these are the, 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 the boundaries that we have to work in. But, but I'm also giving you kind of a, mm, I'm going to let you take a minute. You take a minute, collect yourself. I'll be back in a second. And, and the student, I watched the student just like take a deep breath and kind of calm down a little bit. And then when Abby came back and said, all right, what are you working on? And the student was like, I don't understand. And Abby's like, look, what do, you, what do you not understand? Well, what are you even asking here? And so then, then, then they were able to kind of work through where that, what that student needed in that moment. Um, and it could have been, it could have been lots of things, but it was brilliant that Abby like knows that student well enough to know right. this student right now needs some time. I'm, I'm going to walk away, give that student some time. Then I'm going to come back and give the student some help. Anyway, so knowing your students is going to really help you be able to answer questions like, what do they need? This particular student needs support with. It's all about how can you best pull out their current thinking so that it can be built on? What's yeah, the nice. best circumstances for them? Yeah. And, and you have to know your content mm-hmm. and the kid to be able to do that, right? Yeah. Because yeah. to be able to pull out their current thinking, you have to know the lay of the land of the content in order to ask the questions so that you can then pull out their current thinking. Hey, I'm a little nervous. Uh, it just occurred to me in my head that somebody might be listening to our podcast going, well, Pam, what if I don't know the content? Like, okay, so I just don't do any of this until I like have it all down. No, no, no. no. So we're not saying that at all. Right. We're, yeah. It's, like, it's a goal, right? It's something to work. Keep towards. learning. Keep learning. Yeah. Keep learning. And yeah. get better at all yeah. the time. Yeah. Which is why we do things like we have a success map where we talk about different stages of teachers learning so that teachers can, can help themselves identify, ooh, where am I sort of on my landscape of teaching with this content? Like what, what else could I be working on? What are some, where, where are some places I could go to continue to learn that content so that we can learn, the, know, know, learn and know that content better and better uh, as we go? So it's important to know your content and know your kids. 
It's a great goal, something to work towards and get better at each year. Kim, it was super fun talking to you all about your our mantra of know your content, know your kids. But before we go, I want to mention something we're super excited about, right? Woo! We yeah. have some Math is Figureoutable merchandise coming. Finally, people have been asking for Yay! so long. We finally are ready to announce November 26th. We have products coming. Black, Black Friday. Friday. Do your yep. shopping for your favorite Mathies in your life. Bam! So we're going to have some fun products that uh, we're going to release. We're super excited about our store. We'll give you more information as it comes. Um, you, you'll be able to wear some Math is Figureoutable merch around and, and sh- uh, help us spread the word that Math is Figureoutable. Super exciting. So if you want to learn more math and refine your mathematics teaching so that you and students are mathematizing more and more, then join the Math is Figureoutable movement and help us spread the word that math is figureoutable. Thank you for listening and making math more figureoutable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figure outable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.